because I, I did there to hear your word. Lord, we understand that there is nothing too difficult for you. And Father, we thank you and we bless you and we praise you for what you're going to do for us in this teaching and in this session of worship and praise to you. So we love you, Lord, and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen again. Praise God. Amen. Let's try to get this thing situated, switch-awaited. So that it's switch away to white. It better be white. Amen. Praise God. So uh, today we're going to talk about the fact that we are the resistance. Amen. We are the resistance. And uh, <clears throat> I'll explain that term to you a little bit more uh, as we we get into the teaching. But I was thinking about this in terms of uh, political events that are going on. Uh, in this earth and worldwide, especially in this nation, we happen to have uh, a group of people in this country who feel that they have formed a resistance against our current government. Amen. Uh, we have what what is called a uh, a constitutional republic. It's not really a democracy. Because um, if we had a true democracy, you would have um, a numerical vote that would determine elections. Right? Um, we do have a government of the people, by the people, for the people, but it's, it's really what's called a republic because it is uh, based on a constitution and laws. It's not really just directly the people rule as in a true democracy, but, but it, we, it's based on a constitution with set laws. And so anybody who joins this country joins under the authority of the constitution. Whenever we have elected officials, they are sworn in. They swear an oath to defend the Constitution, uphold it and defend it uh, against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Amen. And so when we, when we have a ruling, we have a ruling document, really you have document over most countries. Now you find some countries what we consider emerging or third world or something like that. They change hands so often you don't really have a stable government. But we've had a stable government here in this nation uh, for more, uh, what, 17, 70, whatever, over close to 300 years now. And so when we, we see that we're um, getting involved in challenges, and there will always be challenges to authority. Now, why is that? Because that's the story. It's the story of God and man. It's the story of life. This started out, this, this, this war started out in heaven where Satan challenged God's authority. So that spirit of challenging legal authority has always been in the world. It's always going to be in the world. And so you see it uh, rising up in different ways and different uh, countries and different times, um, the the movement that started this nation was actually a worldwide revolution. It was a revolution against monarchies that they felt were unfairly burdening people and unfairly controlling people. 
uh, it started really in Europe. Those seeds of the American Revolution you can trace back almost to the French Revolution, where people in France got tired of the Louis, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15. When they got to 16, they say, we ain't putting up with this no more. <laughs> Guillotine, you know. As <laughs> Maybe anybody remember Dickens' tale of two cities where Madame Defarge sat at the, the um, I forget what that, that tribunal was called, call, but, you know, she sat there knitting every day watching to see whose head would get cut off. Yeah, I mean, that was like the entertainment of the day. And so, <laughs> and so, but it really did start there. And of course, with it being a, a movement, it's carried by a spirit. So different people hear and they understand, you know, maybe this is an opportunity for us to get our freedom from certain things. And that got in, instilled in the different uh, uh, people who were already here from Europe. You know, this country, first European people came here in the 1600s formed little colonies, but they kind of were fragmented and they thought to get organized when they saw when that momentum of resisting tyrannical rule came uh, from, from others coming from, from Europe coming here. And so they decided to form a union of groups of, and colonies of individuals. It started out with 13 colonies, and you know it's grown since then. Most times when people hear something that's good, they want to join it. And so it formed what we know the United States right now, but they started out with a group of laws that they felt they wanted to be governed by. And they felt that man's rights come from God. And this was the first time that that concept was put forth. Amen? Now, you, you, aside from... Uh, uh, the Jewish faith, which we all know was uh, what we call theocracy. God wanted to be the God of the Jews. He wanted to, to uh, rule them, but it depended on them submitting to him. And so at times they would submit, times they wouldn't. But aside from that, the Bible being their, their group of laws, there was no nation set up like this. These, uh, the Constitution was set up by Christian men who derived their authority and their, their concept directly from God. So it's written right in the Constitution. It says that we have a common creator. In other words, nobody's made by anybody's God better than anybody's God. We're all made by the same God. And that God has given us certain things built into our nature that we cannot be alienated from. So wherever you go, you will find people desiring the same thing. We want life, liberty, and, the des and we want to be free to pursue things that make us happy. And so that is very common to, to people worldwide. And so this was the first time that anybody formulated a set of laws where the power derived directly from God. Now, one of the problems with, with the European monarchies, especially the Louis, they felt that the king's power came from God, but nobody else had any power that came from God. And so this is why those kinds of governments fail, because they're wrong in the concept of it. See, if you understand that God has created all men equal, 
is if we all have one set of parents that's Adam and Eve or the two Adams, the man and the woman that God created, you'll understand that we're all offspring of the same God, the same first family, and we're all related. So we all have the same DNA. So we all want the same things. And so when when this nation was set up, it was set up to respect humanity in that way that everybody's entitled to live, they're entitled to be free with certain restraints and to pursue a life that makes them happy or makes them content. And so whenever any government comes in to try and alter that or resist that, our nation is set up so that the government steps in to hinder them uh, trying to put controls. Or That's why slavery was fought over, amen, because they knew from the beginning that it was going to be trouble for them. They just knew it was just a matter of time until they had to confront the slavery issue. Had the the Constitution not been adopted, with slavery being granted, we would have had two nations from the beginning separated. So they had to compromise with the southern states just to get them to go along with signing the Constitution. They refused to sign it if they couldn't keep their slaves. And so the the founding fathers knew at some point that would have to be confronted because it was contrary to what was written, what they had signed. They signed their own demise, in other words, because they felt if, if liberty and freedom are that important and they come from God, then we will eventually win this war, which they did, you know, at the cost, great cost of lives. And so we have a nation here that is built on principles that men who, who designed it felt came from God. Now, why is that important? Well, it's important to know that we are governed by a constitution in this nation. Even though many times over the course of the history of this nation, people have challenged that document, it's always been defended and upheld. And so, and I believe because it's of sound wisdom that comes from God, it's always going to be defended and upheld because God will do it. See, if we get stupid, he'll step in and do it. Amen. And so God, again, is defending this nation against people who want to fight against the constitutionality of a lot of the laws that we have had. One of the ways that people seem to be uh, fighting it is through this movement that they have now in this nation called the resistance. And uh, if anybody's seen the marches and so forth, it it looks like a a group of a lot of young people that are just uh, rebellious. You understand what I'm saying? Um, From all indications, it's funded by a a foreign group of globalist people who feel that they are forming a one-world government. Now, how many of you know that's been done before and it's always failed? Because when you talk about you being Lord of the whole world or controlling everybody in the world, guess who steps in? Amen. Because Jesus is Lord of all. You got me? So this is his war. He steps in. The best thing I can tell Christians is to make sure you are on the Lord's side. Whatever you do, pray about it. Make sure you are on the Lord's side. Because it's extremely important for Christians to line up the right way. 
in spite of your politics, in spite of who you want to see in this office and that office, you must always have your first allegiance to God. Amen. Amen. And make sure that you form a resistance to the resistance to what God set up in this nation. Every time we we include, when uh, I think it was in the 1950s, we added the phrase "one nation under God" to our pledge of allegiance. That was put in there by God. He found somebody who would speak on his behalf because he knew the day would come when he would have to step in and defend this nation. So every time you put your hand on your heart, "one nation over, under God," he hears that, and he says, "There's somebody down there praying for me to come." See, when it's any time words are addressed to a deity, it's a prayer. Amen. Uh, even though you don't fold your hands and all that kind of stuff, it's it's a prayer. And so once we dedicate something to God, He comes for it. I don't care how long ago you uttered those words, because God takes us at His at our words like we are supposed to take Him at His word. You got me. Uh, he knows the value of words. So all he has to do is get us to utter, I do. Yes, that's right. If you want to go there, huh? I do, you did, and he will. See, he'll come for you to uphold your own vows. Now, don't think because you walk off and leave somebody, that's the end of the story. Why do you think people are fighting over marriage now to make a mockery of it? Because they know it's one of the institutions that holds humanity together. Huh? Absolutely. You'll find people that, that both spouses pass away and they'll find the people, we were engaged when we were young and, you know, something happened, we didn't get together and we found each other again. You understand what I'm saying? Those are inner vows that people have made to one another you you promised to marry somebody that vow will eventually get kept you don't keep that yourself god let you find that person on facebook when you got 88 years old how many 88 year olds are on facebook period you know what i'm saying he has a way of allowing us to keep our promises to ourselves I'm going to say it again. When you utter words and you make vows, you promise that to yourself. So God is there to help us to uphold our promises to ourselves. Some things you just can't let go of and you don't understand why. Sometimes you got to remember that God is holding you to keep your own word about what you said you were going to do. No matter what happened. And then what happened? So now what you going to do? Huh? Because God is always moving on us to keep our own vows, our own words to ourselves. So God then allowed us to vow this nation to him. We say one nation under God. We got on our money and God we trust. Now we got people, atheists, you know. They always talk about the atheist in the foxhole. <laughs> you get a people who say they don't believe in God, just get them under the right circumstances. You'll find out what they really do believe. Huh? 
they don't call on nothing. They're going to call on God. You understand what I'm saying? And so now they want to take those words off our money, but they can't take the vow back. We already gave it to God, idiot. Now you can go to court all you want to and take that off money, but you can't take this nation away from God. And you can't separate God from his people. Amen. So all of that stuff the devil does to try to separate God from his plan uh, works in, in God's favor. Let's put it that way. Everything will work in God's favor eventually because of, of what God wants to do on this earth. God is not thinking about these resistance people and the women with the, the JJ hats on and the pink hats on and, you know, don't grab my this and, and that's my uterus and all this. He ain't thinking about them crazy women. Now, if you want to let the devil degrade you like that, where your, your private parts are on display, and that's all you think your life is about, you need to hear the gospel. But, but you can go ahead and do that, but that won't stop God from doing what he wants to do. So there is a resistance movement. But you got to remember now, the church is the resistance. The called out, blood bought saints of the living God, we are the resistance in the earth. But that word resistance is, is, was started, it was started up recently after the last election. And these people, if you look them up, if you Google resistance, you'll find that there is a resistance.org or something like that that's started by some people in this country. They say they are fighting against the hateful and authoritarian agenda of Donald Trump and the radical right. We fight to defend. We fight like hell. See, anybody's got hell in their statement. Uh, we fight against that, okay? Is it, that ain't for y'all, okay? They fight like hell against democratic norms, the rule of law, constitutional rights, and join the fight to get him out of the White House. Boycott, resist, protest. These people have organized to resist duly elected and sworn in authority in this nation. So whenever somebody, when your person loses an election, what do you do? You ride it out for four or eight years or whatever you have to ride it out for, and you vote again. That's what a republic does. That's your right. That's the way you quote-unquote protest. Amen. You take your vote, and you place it somewhere else. If you don't do that, what's going to happen to the democracy or what's going to happen to the Constitution? See, you can't just resist and fight against people because you don't like them. We'd be what they call a banana republic, where you just, just a bunch of people just get together and decide they're going to overthrow somebody because they don't like them. And that's a very common thing that's done, folks. A very common thing that's done. People do that in, in um, corporate America. They do it in churches. You know, you've seen them churches where the deacons come in, pull the gun on the pastor and run him out of there. You know, the people do that all the time. But 
there comes a place where God will intervene. If this nation is sworn to him, then he has a right to come when we violate the laws of this nation and make them right. You got me? You don't just sit idly by and watch your world deteriorate and the things that you've invested your life in just go by the wayside. That's not how things are done. But there is a, a, an anger and a hatred in the devil against this nation and why it was formed and the way it was formed that is getting very, very exposed now and very, very obvious. Now, the Bible says the devil has great anger because he knows he has a short time. So whenever his time gets shorter and shorter, you'll start seeing him exposing himself and pulling out all the plugs because he wants to hold on to the souls that he's taken to hell and taking more with them. So that's the whole agenda as far as the enemy and this this. Uh, um, uh, war, the spiritual war that's that's being waged here, and so the, these people have adopted a term called resistance, which was always kind of a had a, a more pleasant connotation. The, the, the part of the term resistance uh, came to prominence or or started being used uh, more familiar in a more familiar manner during World War II. There was a French uh, uh, movement in France to resist the Nazis having taken over France and, and set up what they called the V-I-C-H-Y, V like Victor, I-C-H-Y regime in France during World War II. Well, what had happened was Hitler had threatened to come and take over France. And the Vichy government signed a compact with Hitler that they would obey the Nazis. Nazis can come over and do what they want. They gave a certain amount of land over to them, all of that. And then there were certain people that were French. Well, we've always been free people. We fought a revolution in the 18th century so that we could be free people. And we're not going to give our freedom up to Hitler. And so they formed what was called the resistance. Amen. So they resisted their government selling them out to a foreign government that, would, that they knew eventually would, would slaughter everybody there. Because they were already on the warpath. They slaughtered the Jews first. Then they come for the Christians. They always want to take out God's people who are always a threat to any government. Any government that wants to run this whole world, they are, they are uh, uh, you know, this uncircumcised Philistine coming to defy the living God. So you've got to look through this stuff and, and understand what really is going on so that you'll get a... a uh, uh, this, all of this, every war that's ever fought, if you look at it, has its origins in the war in the heavenlies. And there is alignment with God and alignment against God. Now, the Nazis didn't want anybody to be free. So when you, you want to enslave people and, and steal their liberty, you're fighting against God-ordained ability in people to determine their own destiny. 
you, you want to pin people up and you want to keep them locked up and you want to make them give you all their money and work for you and all that's anti-god folks that's anti-christ and so they are coming against god and threatening god and god's authority in the earth and so this resistance this french resistance formed a great party of people it grew to at the end of world war ii there was over a hundred thousand people in the french resistance and i think there was probably only about 20 million people in france at the time but they began to meet in caves in nightclubs underground bars cabarets places like that where they would get together and form plans to help liberate france and they were very very powerful and very very influential they they formed what was called a fifth column of resistance forces for the allied forces that would eventually come in those people were heavy in espionage they understood how to break codes they had all kinds of skilled people involved in this all pulled in by god because god hated what hitler was doing hitler was a satanist he got his power the reason he had so much power is because of what killing the jews shedding innocent blood showing the devil i'll do this for you just give me more power so it took the power of god to stop that nothing but the power of god to stop something like that so don't just sit by and watch people want to tear down the government and tear down what's going on i know we all got faults we got problems this government ain't perfect but it's as good as we can get in this earth and i can tell you right now it's kept you alive all you got to do is learn how to work within the system and you can have a bigger voice and so there's nobody stepping on your neck and keeping you from doing things in this country if you're a citizen you can have as much as you want of freedom and liberty and all those kinds of things it's kind of interesting somebody like martin luther king i was reading one of the uh, slogans of my uh, memes about him and it said he fought nobody killed nobody um but he changed the world you got me he didn't do anything by did violence toward no man but he changed the world you understand what i'm saying and so you can change the world using god's principles you can do that at any time so the french resistance was very very important uh especially to win world war ii they would not have had the intelligence they would not have known where uh, the german forces were any of that kind of stuff had it not been for those people who were loyal to the french freedom in order and they refused to submit to the oppressors had it not josephine baker the um dancer she was an expatriate over in france she just left this country in the 20s and never came back but she was a, a big fighter in the french resistance on armistice day they took all those people out and gave them uniforms and she was one of those she had gathered intelligence and them little nightclubs that she would dance in all that kind of stuff she would allow people who were part of the resistance to live there and to have their meetings there to pool information in those places so that they could be free so they took anybody that was willing to fight for freedom they accepted those people that's what's going to keep the church from going stupid in the end times we're going to have to give up this uh I'm, i got the biggest church in this city 
and I got the best here, and I'm on television, and you're not, and I got an airplane, and you're not, and you can't be part of my group, I can be, or you don't pray in tongues, and I do, all that's going to stop. You got me? Because we're going to start to understand who we are by the Spirit. We're going to take any and everybody that's on the Lord's side. And that's all that, that it really means is, is that you must be on God's side in order to resist the powers of darkness that have come to take over this nation. Now, who are these powers? Many people refer to them as the Illuminati. We know that. The people who are after the one world government. It appears that some of our former presidents, I can't validate it, but that's, that's what's buzzed about. Some of our former presidents are part of that. Uh, there have always been holes in everybody's government uh, during the founding of the nation. Uh, some of our founding fathers were Masons. They were part of another secret organization. It, it appears the Illuminati is derived from that. So there's always a history of the good mixed in with the bad. But Jesus is Lord over this nation. You got me? He is Lord over America. And that's who we fight. We fight under his name. So as part of the resistance, we form, we are resisting the the resistance to established authority in this nation. So we have to stand for our constitution and the the authority that God has placed under it, but we also can resist immorality in government through our prayers. Amen. And through our voice. So in this nation, we always have freedom of speech. That's one of the first freedoms uh, that's given to us in the First Amendment, along with that freedom of religion, not freedom from religion, freedom of religion. So we are, are empowered by our government with a free exercise of our religion. So whatever faith you are, the government protects you to be able to exercise that. Now, it's come into conflict because we have a resistance now to our Constitution working in this government. So we resist that resistance. You got it? Every resistance has a counter-resistance to resist the resistance. Amen. So we are resisting anything that is in conflict with God's word. And sometimes that might mean protesting against laws that we feel are anti-Christ or immoral, like abortion. That's one of the key words. In the 60s, it was the Jim Crow laws in the South that kept blacks and whites segregated. So those things have been fought, and they have been fought successfully. We do it with the ballot. We do it within the framework of the Constitution. We have people now who feel that they can malign authority enough because we got enough people in this nation, and I'll just tell briefly how I believe the enemy set this up. During the 60s, there was a lot of what they called rebellion against authority. When the civil rights movement got started, people began to look and see on television how bad things were in the South. It was an embarrassment. 
uh, our ambassadors would go over into foreign nations and we would we would get mocked because we were trying to tell them how to live and here look at we see on tv what you do to your own people you know and it was a travesty well what happened was god intended for those laws to be removed for freedom to come into the south which it did but there's always a hangover and the hangover is this you'll find other groups of people looking at what was accomplished in that movement and want to hijack the movement for themselves women homosexuals you name the group they've all come later demanding certain rights amen and so then you also had this even though we were resisting those laws and the laws changed you also have people who accept that call to resist in the flesh and they start a rebellion against morality they look at morality as being something fake and phony in other words mom and dad always made me go to church and they they uphold segregate look at what they do that's wrong so we're not going to go to church we don't listen to mother and dad we don't do this we don't and it's come down to it, what it was really uh, 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 when the attack came of young people against the parents authority I remember the marches and the slogans trust nobody over the age of 30 so this was a young people's movement and, and we weren't going to respect mom and dad anymore people stop stop going to church making their families go to church they stopped getting married they start taking drugs sleeping around and now you got them now we're all crying because we got an opioid epidemic and a drug problem they're trying to legalize all drugs on one side and then they're trying to fight get people off on the other side so you've got a mixture of the devil's chaos which is exactly what he wants for people to live in confusion with no ties to authority because he knows that if we respect authority you know what tanya i'm gonna use the handheld i cannot get this thing to stay on right for some reason wonder why praise the lord praise god yeah that's good let me take this praise god can you uh help me help me girl help help me help me praise god yeah and and one of the things that the enemy ouch (laughs) right she stuck me with a pen thank you ma'am appreciate it one of the things that the enemy likes is chaos and confusion so when there's chaos and confusion he reigns in that god's not the author of it god is the author of peace and so god wants to bring peace back into the earth again he wants to bring peace in the families he wants families to stay under the god-given authority and structure of christ being the head the father under christ and the rest of the family members under the headship of the father so you see we don't have that now they have all kind of people they got excuses for it you know and i'm not throwing shade on nobody so just get out from under the shade but but you know what i'm saying this is not right it's not godly structure so god will bring structure and organization back into the hearts of a repentant people not into the hearts of a rebellious people 
And so God, number one, wants his people to be totally submitted to him because that's the first step in spiritual resistance of the enemy. James 4, if you'll turn there in verse 7. It says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. What therefore? Because, in verse 6, he gives more grace. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So the humble will submit themselves to God. You submit yourself to God first. Resist the devil, and he will flee. That's why some people's binding and loosing doesn't go any further than the ceiling. Because they're not really submitted to God. Got me? Father, I thank you that you are my God. You're my maker and I'm my creator. And I repent right now of anything that's standing between me and you. And you wait a minute and he'll show you what it is. Oh, Lord, I'm sorry for being mad at mom or dad or being mad at pastor or being mad at whoever it is. Forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So that's your submission to God. Go read you a scripture till you feel better. If you don't feel better, keep reading, because you will. (laughs) Amen? It always works. And then you take authority over the enemy. Amen? Sometimes I would just bind the devil and keep my foot on his neck while I search my heart. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Wait a minute, devil. I'm going to hold you for a minute here until God straightens us both up. You got me? I always tell people, I said, if you're praying and you're doing the best you can and it don't change, take authority over the devil, you know. That should be the first order of business is to tie the enemy up. But as we submit to God and resist the devil, he must leave us alone. So submission to God is the main key. And we're to resist the devil in all forms. We must pray for discernment. And pray for understanding and stay filled with the word of God so we can be aware of the enemy's movements. Because he's slick. He's subtle. He'll move in ways we never thought he would move on us. Amen? And so you have to be alert and resist him in all forms. So submitting to God allows us to put God in control of what we see, think, hear, and believe. And that's very important. This puts us under the power of the Holy Spirit. So God gives us the power to resist the devil in our thoughts, our words, and our actions. And in your actions, you must always take a stand for God. He promises to fight for us. Why? Because our enemies are his enemies. They started out as his enemies first. In Ephesians 6, if you'll turn there, this allows you to understand what's happening spiritually. Ephesians 6.12 tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Your neighbor is not your enemy. Amen? I'm not your enemy. Amen? Your parents are not your enemy. You know, the church is not your enemy because you're not wrestling against flesh and blood unless that's all there is to you. See, if you're a carnal person, 
you don't know about anything spiritual. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, you indict yourself by what you target. Huh? You do. If all you can see is they don't like me, they trying to get rid of me, huh? then you're carnal. You haven't been enlightened yet to realize, number one, the devil's using you to destroy your life. Because anybody you think is against you, they're either on God's side or the devil's side, so that'll play itself out with them. But look at what you're doing to yourself. Huh? you got to give that up and make up your mind, do or die. You're going to be a spiritual person. Huh? I'm going to stop seeing people as my problem. I'm going to stop getting angry at people. I'm going to stop having an attitude against people. Huh? I'm going to love people. What happened to that? And see, if we don't understand how important that is for us to stay in the realm of the spirit where our information, our knowledge, our protection, our, our uh, armaments, all of the weapons of our warfare, that's where they reside. You, you, you reside in the flesh and you lock yourself out of the advantage of having spiritual help in your time of need. See? We need God more than we know. Amen? You need him at all times. You need him to wake up. Huh? My girl Jan used to preach. She said, yeah, you think God didn't get you up, but you go take an alarm clock and put it out there in Highland Park Cemetery and see how many people get up. You understand what I'm saying? You need him. Telling you the truth. And so once we understand that, that you are dealing with a God who knows all and has provided all for you, but you got to play by the rules. You can't be against the rules. I don't care how many rules other people break. That shouldn't make you a lawless person. Amen? That ain't your business. Huh? You know, I hate to see it, but everybody gets what's coming to them. If you're spiritual, you get that. If you're carnal, you get that. You hate to see that coming. Because many times people start out real good. They start out being a blessing. They start out helping and, and being faithful to God. And then the devil gets them hung up in some stupidity. And they refuse to let go of it. Quit on God. Like who else you going to get? Don't, don't even try to answer that question. Because there's plenty of gods out there to serve. So we wrestle things away from spiritual forces. That's what that scripture means. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We don't fight humanity. We don't fight each other. But we wrestle against spiritual forces. We wrestle things that they're holding illegally away from them. Start out with your mind. Wrestle your mind away from the devil. He gets up earlier than you do, planting ideas in your head about people. Huh? Second Corinthians ten five, <clears throat> start in verse one. Paul says, "I'm I'm pleading with you. Please, 
by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. And he said, I'm the one who is based among you, but being absent, I'm bold towards you, but I'm pleading with you again that I may not be bold when I'm present with that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. In other words, there's people out there that, that don't, don't really value you or me or anybody else as a spiritual person. They think we just normal human beings who think about us as being wicked and, and undermining things and hurting them and after them, out to get them, don't love them, all that kind of stuff. He said, don't, don't take me like that, please. I'm begging you. Don't take your brother and sister in Christ. Don't, don't do that to people. Don't pull them down from the place where God has placed them. He says, because even though I walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. And don't treat me like I'm walking according to the flesh. Amen? I'm doing best I can like you are. He says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What's a stronghold? It ain't up there. It's in here. Huh? Now, it may be influenced by what's out there. And you, you have the, the command from God to take care of your own temple. Huh? You've got to do your own housekeeping. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I ain't going there. I gave up the white glove a long time ago. Me and Pastor Shirley, who said, Pastor Shirley, I got my new house, my new apartment. We're coming over with the white glove. Don't get excited. Huh? You got to take care of what God gave you. Got to be a good steward. But you got to do your own housekeeping to your own temple. You got to clean your own head out of debris and false ideas, crazy notions. Huh? thinking you'd be able to get along away with your little shenanigans forever god ain't gonna let you do it so we have to resist him in our minds that's your first warfare and that's really your only one once you start thinking like god you got it made he says casting down imaginations another word for that is argument you ever have something going back and forth in your mind huh Cast them down, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So that's gonna that idea is trying to be bigger in your head than God's word is. And you got to understand when things don't line up with the word, you're not to entertain those, huh? Be like Abraham to consider not. He just said, "No, God, do you know that thought ain't from you? Now look, devil, don't mess with me today. I'm not going there with you." I don't care how many times you have to wrestle that thing down. The devil come to you and tell you all crazy stuff, and, and you said, no, nah, I'm not going to go to any come back again. Well, you know that's true because you know you always believe that. Stronghold, what you always believed, huh? They're hard to get rid of sometimes, but you can do it. You stay with it. Sometimes people just believe that, that sickness has got to come to them. You understand what I'm saying? I've had people with healing ministries come and preach that. You know, it's not like you can walk in divine health 
and walk in an immunity. They feel like, and the old Pentecostal people used to believe that, that you get sick, but you could always get healed. So you had a healing line. They faithfully go to heal and get healed every time, according to your faith being unto you. And so, but, but it's better to resist the devil. <laughs> Why you got to keep running to the doctor and getting x-rays and getting diagnosed and then get better? Because you've always believed that. There's a weakness in every human soul for things like that, you know, because we always did. When I was a kid, that was when my mother got nice when we were sick. Huh? Busy mothers with four kids? Girl, get out my face. But when you fell in the bed and you had a fever, there she was. You understand what I'm saying? she figured you was faking it and girl get up out that bed ain't nothing wrong with you and we back to business again get ay capitan uh, get him go to school <laughs> praise god but these are strongholds mental strongholds we entertain certain ideas sometimes you be anti-stuff some people are anti-marriage anti-love anti-even trying to be in love man it's just have just been in there you got to clean that out come on now uh, this is a love covenant you gotta love somebody i don't care if they don't carry you over the threshold <laughs> i remember i told my my dear late departed husband i told him after we were married i said you never did carry me over the threshold and he said now listen, y'all cut that out. I was a thin slip of a girl during those days. I didn't have to suck it in too far, but I carried myself as a a willow. <laughs> Whatever a willow is. But it was always his back. Huh? Brother wasn't going to carry nothing. You hear me? Go hurt himself. <laughs> Go out, I get on the. But, <laughs> but you know, you're going to have to love somebody in this, <laughs> you know, in this covenant we have with this life. It's a life of love. And love is risky. Didn't Jesus risk it all? Where's Rachel at? She leave me? She is. I was going to have her sing what I did for love with me. I know. I don't know how we got hooked on that. What, what I did for love. What is that from anyway? Anybody? Well, we used to watch that musical on uh, YouTube all the time. And she and I would sing our parts. So. <laughs> you can't get nobody to sing with you. You get who you can. She's probably about five or six years old. And we would sing our, oh, um, a chorus line. That's what it was. Yeah, the old, old musical. But she and I did our thing. And then at the end, we'd have our, our fan kicks. Oh, so did our thing. But, but, you know, you do a lot of things for love. You know, these were dancers who loved dancing. And they it broke their lives, many of them. But they did it for their love of their craft. 
But that's what love does to you. It makes you put out a risk. You want to live safe, you can do that. But love will cause you to risk some things. Amen? You risk being rejected. You risk being left behind. Humiliated. But you do it because the goal is to share a life with somebody. To be a part of their life. To build a life with them. That's what you're looking at. You don't look so much at the risk. Amen? Because some people look cool and you get hooked up with them and they're very risky and you never saw it coming. You understand what I'm saying? Like Jack the Ripper <laughs> got an email. <laughs> Why is this email coming to our box? You know what I'm saying? It's, <laughs> it's addressed to serial killer. Okay, okay, well, just go back and pray some more. Huh? What else are you going to do? I don't know. Anywho, but um, it is risky. You know, it, it's a risk that you take because of the reward that comes because love draws everybody. It does. We love it. We love love. And, and we love to love. And we love to be loved. That's the way humans are created. We're created in God's image. So why do you think he went so far for us? It's because love drives him. Amen. It drives us. So the Lord has built into us an ability to resist the devil. And that is with his word. Because we love him, we love his word. David said it. He said, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation day and night. Amen. So we love God through his word. We love God through our knowledge of him and his history with humanity. That's why you cast down imaginations. You wouldn't be motivated to do it any other reason. You're not trying to um, get stuff from God by reading his word and going shopping. You fall in love with God. When you learn uh, who he is in his word, you get the truth about him. And so that's God's desire for us all to live in that mindset of casting down and resisting whatever God tells us is not good for us. Amen. We have to resist that. And so we in, in this, in Christianity, form a resistance to every evil power that is driving every rebellion and every uh, evil outcome that the enemy wants to perpetrate down here. He likes to keep people captive. He likes to drag people around. Amen. In Second Timothy 2.26, if you'll look there. <clears throat> as right now, 1 Timothy. Second Timothy, verse 2. Verse 24, it says, the servant of the Lord must not strive. Amen. In other words, we got to know when to not argue with people. You got me? You just really have to just drop it sometimes. Just let the word settle everything. You're not here to have the last word to win an argument. You're here to deposit the word in people's lives. He said he must be gentle unto all men. You yourself have to be teachable. Amen. Apt to teach and apt to be taught, to be patient, 
in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. When people resist God, they're resisting themselves. They're against themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Amen? So some people are set up by the devil to get ensnared, and he just comes by and takes them. You got me? And so uh, the apostle here is telling Timothy some, some good rules for instruction and for ministering over the household of faith, and that is don't argue with people. Don't strive with people. You can let anybody have the last word, but God's word will follow them and hopefully reveal the truth to them so they don't stay stuck and stupid all the time. The enemy also seeks to devour us, 1 Peter 5 eight. This is why you resist him. This is why you submit to God because there's a devil out there. As long as he can keep you mad at people, You stay blinded to what he's doing. But once you repent and submit to God, then you have the ability to see these things and get yourself out of a snare. In verse 8, 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour whom you are to resist steadfast in the faith. Amen? Knowing that these same things happen to all believers. There's nobody immune from the devil wanting to ensnare them if he gets an opportunity to do it. Amen? So if you keep your, your head in the spirit, you stay in the cloud, you stay close to God, you stay submitted to the Lord through being humble to him, and allow God to correct you and to help you. There's no such thing as living this life and not needing correction. The minute you think you don't, God will make it painfully obvious to you that you do. <laughs> Amen? So, so just stay humble to him and resist him. Steadfast fast in the faith. Continue with God no matter what the circumstances. It might get tough for you. Amen. It might get you in a little tight space sometimes. But stay faithful to God no matter how tight it is and no matter how difficult it may seem. Because if you stay with him, he will pull you through. You will not succumb to the enemy's advances. Amen. So our goal in our resistance as believers is the liberation of souls from Satan's grip. We're liberators. Amen. We're not people who come to bind people up. And that's beginning with our own. We must stay loyal to the call and resist and not compromise. Amen. The church's main enemy is compromise. Enemy will come and give you something that sounds very tantalizing to you. Amen. Just as Obadiah hid a hundred prophets from Jezebel and Ahab, we have to be those people who will protect the ministers of God, protect the voices of God, allow God's uh, people to have the freedom to preach the gospel, support those who are soul winners, 
I see a lot of people on Facebook and they'll say, well, thanks for your prayers. I appreciate it. And they're just as legalistic and religious, but they're winning souls. They're out doing more than what I'm doing. So here I am. I'm going to pray for them. I'm not going to judge them. I'm not going to try to correct them. That ain't my job. Amen. That's God's servant, not mine. Amen. And so I don't have to put my little two cents in and say, well, loosen up on this and lighten up on that and let that brother get out there and do his thing. Amen. Because at least he's the one stopping them from falling into hell. Got me? And so we have to learn how to not strive with one another. Cut it out and quit that nonsense. Because there is a place for correction but from God. Amen. Uh, he could probably win more souls in certain ways if if he didn't have that legal thing. But praise God, he's out there to working with what he got. That's all any of us can do. Is and I don't want to discourage him from getting out there and helping God. Amen. So that's what we have to make up our minds to do. If it, just as Obadiah hid the prophets, we have to hide our leadership. Amen. You have to form a cover for them, a protection for them against the enemy. Because if they go down, we all go down. Are you kidding me? <laughs> huh? Kids and you know, kids in the household hear mommy and daddy arguing or something. Mommy and daddy getting a divorce. Well, that ain't gonna be good for you. What you talking about? <laughs> Little twerp. Shut up. <laughs> go eat some more Cheerios or something. But. You know, let us grown folk handle this. You got me? But that's what happens. Some families have disagreements, but you don't want to cheer on busting up the family because <laughs> you ain't going to have no place to stay, you little munchkin. Amen? And so, <laughs> amen. And that's, that's what happens in, sometimes in the household of faith. We get all excited about uh, two two preachers that don't like each other, and they start fighting, and we get a little... <laughs> that little, you know, iniquity in us starts kind of grinning. I knew they wasn't going to get along or whatever. And you repent, you know, because <laughs> we all do it. And, uh, and and so, you know, but we want to see the family of God stay intact. We don't lose anybody. We don't want that. So we, we have to be those people that know how to bring peace, reconciliation, because we're all going the same way. Amen. We're all the same people. All of us. We are a body. There's different parts. That's all. You know, if you're the toenail or the toe jam, you're part of the body. Amen. <laughs> you know, if you, you're the shoulders, that's cool too. Uh, there's a lot of weight on you though. And so that's what we do. We protect those who carry the weight of the work of the ministry. Amen. Who, who have to be there to help people to grow in the things of God. Um, turn to Judges chapter 6. How much time do I have, Miss Tanya, please? Oh, I can do a lot with that. Judges chapter 6, and we'll see how the resistance played out in the nation of Israel because they have a history of resisting opposition uh, when they came, when they sobered up and they realized they were their own worst enemy then God had to raise somebody up in resistance. Joshua and then Judges. Okay. okay, Judges chapter 6 is familiar. It's the story of Gideon. 
it says here in verse 1, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. So if, if your life isn't what you want it to be, check your evil meter. <laughs> Amen. Check your, check your meter on what's, what's going on in your mind and condition of your heart. Amen. If it's all cool, cool. Ride it out because God will deliver you. But if it ain't right, you know how we get real nice when we got trouble. Huh? God, I think I just want to give a little more, a little help a little more, a little give a little more. Oh. He'll let you do it because he's God and he loves you. He wants you out of trouble and out of the pokey. He wants to bless you. But he's got to do it legally. He ain't going to break his own laws to bless you because you want to be sloppy about living. He wants to bless you legally. And so he says they were in the hand of Midian seven years. Seven is God's number of completion or perfection. In seven years, that's enough time for anybody to smart up, wise up, lawyer up, pony up. And bail up, you know what I'm saying? And so he gives them enough time to recognize their error and recognize they need to turn to him. So the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel, and because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made themselves dens. So they went from living large, enlarging the border of their tents, to now they were hiding out somewhere. And doing everything, can you open this for me, please, Miss Pat? And and doing everything they could just to survive. Huh? They go from living large to barely making it. It's always an indication of you can do something better. That's the way I look at it. I wouldn't call you a rank out and out center, but you can do better. You know what I'm saying? It's lawyer up, pony up, whatever, giddy up, whatever you need to do, but get to get to getting and get it straightened out because God will help you straighten it out. He's never turned his back on any of his children. He never will. You always have a chance to straighten things out and make them better. You just got to do it God's way this time. And this time when you do it, stay with God. That's our main problem. We get to go on with God and get better a little bit, and then we go back to our little crazy ways again. That's what Israel did. And you see what happened to them. They still working it out. You got me? And he says it was so that when there's a Midianite, they dirty. They got so comfortable. Now, this is something unusual for enemies of God's people because they knew the stories about how he parted the Red Sea, how they spoiled Egypt, all the Egyptians drowned. Those stories followed those people everywhere they went. Because if push came to shove, if you got in a fight with, with, with some of God's enemies, you tell them, don't you know who my God is? You know what we used to do? God then drowned up all of them. He drowned the whole nation of people, the whole army. So we could get them. We walked across. We pimped on through on dry land. Hey! Wasn't slipping and sliding in the mud or nothing. It was just dry. That's the God I serve. Don't mess with me. In other words, don't mess with me. And so... For the Midianites to get comfortable like that, it must have been a setup from God. When your enemy gets comfortable, it's a setup from God. Because God is shortly going to overthrow them. Because when an enemy gets comfortable, they're not on the alert to keep you 
pinned up. They're not on the alert to fight you. Just like these kidnappers do when they take hostages. If they keep them too long, chances are very good that they'll get away eventually because then people get sick of watching you every day. When is the the money going to come? Because I'm tired of this. Or they'll start to make friends with the captor so that the captor can slip up and get away. And so the Midianites, as soon as they would plant a crop, they watch them plant, and at harvest time, they come and booga booga and scare everybody off, and they take their crops and the cattle. This had everything. They had them so, so scared, scared up, and so scared up. And so they had them under their control like a cat just waiting, playing with a mouse before he eats it up, you know, that kind of stuff. And so they would come up, and they bring the Amalekites and verse 4, and they encamped against them, destroyed the increase of the earth, Till all the way, the, everything that they planted, they didn't leave. Sheep, ox, nothing. Verse 5, where they came up with their cattle in their tents, and they came as grasshoppers for multitudes. So they just sat on top of them and watched them starve to death. Amen. And so he says, Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. Man, your money messed up. There's a Midianite loose somewhere. Amen. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. And it came to pass when they cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel, which said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt. Here you go. Telling you over and over again what God has done for you and what he will do. And I delivered you out of the hands of the Egyptians and out of all that oppressed you. And I said to you, I am the Lord God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. So God tells you exactly why your life is messed up. With us as believers, it's sloppy. It's just sloppy living. Amen. We're not as tight as God with God as we used to be. He loves us so much. The longer we live for him, the more he loves us. You understand, we got longevity with God, but it seems the longer we are with him, the more we take him for granted, and the less we want to, huh? Just treating him like an old fat husband or old fat wife. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Because that's what we do. Humanity. So we got to, he sometimes has to take us on a little second or third honeymoon. Hmm? Played a little cat and mouse game. Hide and seek. Hmm? I remember talking to God one time. He said, you Christians don't have enough romance in your soul. I said, God, you mentioned. <laughs> Clutching my pearls, right? God mentioned romance. I'll take romance. My heart is young and deeper and gay. I had to throw something in there. Make y'all wake up. But anyway. He told me that because he is the lover of our souls. And that's hard for us to conceive of. He said, I loved your mind when you was crazy. Huh? And I remembered that. Huh? He said, I loved your mind 
when you you uh, got accepted, I was I, I belong to a high IQ club. <laughs> Can you believe that? Miss Pat? <laughs> yeah, just don't fake this pat on me. He, he said, "I loved your man when you joined up with them highfalutin." Huh? He said, "I loved your man when you was depressed as a little girl." See, the lover of your soul does that. Nobody else. Huh? When people think you're smart, they pick on you. Suffer with that all my life. So you dumb it down to survive. But God still loved me. Huh? No matter what condition my soul was in, and he does the same for you. Huh? He loves us. And so he, he started talking to me about the bride of Christ. That's been over like seven or ten years ago. All of our prophecies and the songs of the Lord about drawing the bride out of her shell, letting her know it's okay. I love you just like you are. Huh? I remember some of those songs that Brenda, remember Brenda, Brenda and I was saying, and she knew how to dig in there, you know, as the bride. And she keeps singing, and I keep having to respond. And, you know, it was uncomfortable for me because I've never liked my voice. I told you all that, but I do the best I can, praise God. But but we we give what we have to God, and I could only do that because I know he loves me. See? You, you get up and do the best you can because his love compels you to do that. He's given us so much, you know, do what I can, Lord, I'll do it. You know what I'm saying, that kind of thing. And so that began the exchange. Huh? Understanding God's love as a spouse would to his beloved bride, somebody he's chosen. Out of all the people of the earth, there are a lot of people that won't go to heaven. I don't care what they be saying on them, online, everywhere, what they telling people. Oh, heaven gained another. You don't know that. God knows who belongs to him, not us. We do the best we can to figure it out. But, but still, you, you have to understand all facets of who God is or you have an incomplete picture of who you are. So he does those things. He reveals himself to us so we will understand who we are and what we're really capable of. You can understand how to be a good wife by understanding relationship with God as a bride. Amen? As somebody who is engaged to somebody very, very powerful and very, very important. You can understand that. And I think you make a better earthly spouse once you understand that role to a heavenly spouse. You got me? I used to feel, you know, people would say things like, when so-and-so lost their husband or their wife, they got closer to God. And I always thought closer meant more power. <laughs> Get up at the altar and bust something up and blow it up. Kill a devil. And, and I finally began to understand closer, but relationship. 
Huh? And and I remember God telling me something. I was when Prophet Waller prophesied to me, and it ain't happened yet. So the jury's still out on it. But I feel like I could live forever single. You understand what I'm saying? I have that contentment with God and that understanding of my liberty in God. And when that changes, God will have to change that. But I remember when he said that to me and something went through me and I heard the voice of the Lord said, Barb, he says, I've really enjoyed our time together. But, and that's as much as I let him say, I'll let him say the rest of it. I'll pay attention more later. I just said, don't throw me away. I don't want to fry no chicken. I don't want to. I don't want my hair to smell like, you know, I, I, would, I would cook on the grill before Aubrey got home. And he'd come and he'd, he'd do this to me. He said, hmm, baby, you look like, mm, my favorite perfume, smoke. God, I don't want that anymore. I always smell like smoke from cooking over the grill all day long. You understand what I'm saying? He had to let me know how valuable I was to him first. Because as much as I've loved God and he loved me, we've never had that. Because the Bible says when you're married, you have to mind the things of the world. And I always thought getting closer to him would result in more healings, more miracles. Ah, let me get closer. But what it resulted in was my understanding his love for me. I mean, really on a real, the forgiveness of sins and how important that is. His ability to give me another chance and not give up on me, even when people do. You got me? That kind of love, that, that close. When you say close, I mean close. You understand what I'm saying? And, and understanding how important that is to prepare you to live with him eternally in heaven. You gotta live with nobody. You gotta live with Jesus front and center throughout eternity. You gotta get to know him. You know him because you get separated and divorced from everything else. You got nothing but him. You understand what I'm saying? And most people do not live in a place where they voluntarily give that up. You just don't. You'll know him more sometimes through your losses than you do through your gains. That's just the way it is. But stay with him. Seek him. Trust him. When you don't have the things in the natural that you desire, you've been waiting way too long. You don't have anybody but him to keep you going. Amen? So those are the rich reward times that we have with the Lord. And so... In resisting the enemy, you got to know he's trying to separate you from relationship with the love of God. Not finances and money. How cheap. How cheap. How dare we cheapen our relationship like that. But he's trying to separate us from God's love, honey. You resist the devil and you'll know about the love of God. Huh? You get yourself away from this crazy world. 
and all the things the world values? Huh? Where you don't have nothing but time and you wait for him to say something. He says nothing for days and months and you wait some more (laughs) for days and months and wait some more. That's love. Uh, For those of you who (laughs) let me enlighten you, that's what love does. You wait without seeing almost anything. You wait with very little encouragement. You wait in faith. And you wait because it seems like it's the right thing to do. You have nothing to do but wait on the Lord. Amen. Why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for giving us.